0: Aloha and welcome. You're listening to Soul, your host for Pay Me What I'm Worth talk radio. Imagine me bowing in gratitude before you for taking the time to join us on a special journey. Did you miss a week? No worries. Listen to all of our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. Again, bit.ly forward slash pay radio. To get one reminder of our next show, be sure to click on the follow button up at the top of the page. And Now it's time to sit back and to learn along with the rest of us. Get ready to meet some amazing souls as they make real changes in daily life. I recommend you find some notepaper, then get ready to enjoy a few ahas as you listen to this show. I'm delighted and thrilled to introduce you to Christina Irvin, Team Leader for Team Clarity.
1: Hello, I'm Christina Irvin, and I'm happy to extend this special invitation for you to eavesdrop on Team Clarity's discussion as we dive
2: into the next exercise of Pay Me What I'm Worth.
0: Next, let's meet the rest of the team.
2: Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hi, this is Marcia Certino and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts.
3: Hello and welcome from the gorgeous state of Wisconsin,
0: this is Patty
4: Anderson. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Julia Cologne from the city that never sleeps, New York City.
0: Team Clarity members share their class time with us for two main reasons. Reason number one, they want those they hold near and dear to know about the changes that they're making on multiple levels. As they change, by listening to these classes, people who know Team Clarity members may opt to change along with them. Reason number two, to share their stories with you. I bet their stories and life lessons will inspire all sorts of ahas for you too. Okay, time to start the class.
5: As we get settled into our journey today, I'm gonna invite all of you to think of a time where you create an agreement with someone and you thought the agreement was in force and then something changed without your knowledge. The person who making the change, they were in the, quote, authority role and you didn't think you had any say in the matter in that change. And so the ground rules changed without your approval. And I'd really like to talk about some stories around that and get into that. Do you remember when I invited you all, one of my first challenges is – to let people know that you're going to be on a journey this year, to give them a heads up. Do you remember that challenge?
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes.
5: I wonder where I'm going with this, with broadcasting the radio shows out to the public. Any extrapolations?
4: To give us visibility.
5: For me, it's exposing vulnerability.
2: It's another step that's showing people that you're going on a journey.
5: When people tell you When they say something like, Patty, you're changing. What are you doing? You can say, oh, go listen to my radio show. Hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. As short and simple as that. Who has a story of a time where you have a written agreement with someone. You've talked about an agreement. You wrote it down. You both at least verbally agreed to it, if not signed it. And then time travels on, and lo and behold, you find out the agreement was changed. Anybody got a story? Hmm.
1: Let's just say that when you get into a business opportunity, sometimes what you're promised verbally doesn't really come out to really happen that way. We find that, yeah, the, the contracts say this, this, and that, and they say your results are going to be different than mine possibly because all these different variables or whatever, and that's how they get past it. But then we actually have that verbal agreement with the person who basically recruited you into the business opportunity, and they've promised all of this stuff and all of this help and all of this support only to find out that that only stands if you, A, do everything exactly the way they want you to, and B, you're producing like a mad person.
2: Because if you're not, there's only so much that they're going to do for you, and then they're out. At some point, they don't even recognize you. I can testify to
4: that. This is Julia. I have Pretty much lived it over a year now. It upsets me when this conversation comes up because I was very serious about starting a business to join the company that I joined and to just be here goes your kid, here goes whatever, and that was it. You know, after numerous calls, after going up to the upper levels and still not getting any support. It is very discouraging. The agreement was to become a representative, to be a part of a bigger company, something that I trusted, and in the people, not in the company itself, but in the people. And to be just let down is horrible. I pretty much have done this by myself. I have gotten support from outside of the company. It is discouraging. We had an agreement. We both signed that agreement, and it didn't come through. The other person did not come through.
1: I think that's a great example, Julia, and I think it might be something that we can actually leverage to go back to our little impromptu discussion that we had the other night uh, where we were talking about choice as it relates to moving forward in this process and even in our daily interactions. I think there's an opportunity, if I'm understanding what Soul's saying correctly, to really have a clear understanding that we have the choice and how we sort of navigate the situations. And and a lot of times, some of the agreements are like living documents, meaning they kind of ebb and flow and change based on the situations at that moment in time. I wonder if if you could sort of take us, tie a bow in on the the last exercise discussion and sort of bring us forward with with this discussion that we're having
5: right now. Is the whole concept of choice still ping-ponging around in your head. Let me frame choice from a different perspective. I'd like to hear an example of something one of you thinks you have zero choice about. Right now, today, in this moment, is there something in your life that you firmly believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you have no choice but to dot, dot, dot? What is that dot, dot, dot?
2: Right now, today, I feel like I have no choice but to go to work every day on my job, which now don't get me wrong, I love what I do, but sometimes it'd be nice to have a different choice, and I'm starting to recognize you know, by some of the things that we're doing and talking about that I can have a choice, but I have to make that choice.
5: Good example. How about another one?
4: Hi, this is Julia. Right now, at this point, I feel like I have no choice but to market and brand what I have created in a different way. I have to talk more about entrepreneurship and try to build a team, and I just have to go about it a different way. I have no choice at this point.
5: So far, the two good examples that I'm hearing is almost a feeling of being jailed, almost a feeling of restriction such that... Unless X, Y, and Z happens, I have no choice but to A, B, and C. True?
4: It's true. And you don't even know if that's going to work.
5: How many PIN codes do you all have in your heads right now? (laughs) How many (laughs) PIN codes and passwords do you have in your heads right now? If I asked you all to come up with a list of PIN codes and passwords, would it be fairly safe to say we would probably have close to mm, 500 different PIN codes and passwords? Yes. So I, mean, I can't even remember.
2: Yeah, it's crazy,
5: it's crazy, crazy. Doubt, guilt, shame, and worry are the access denier screens. When you punch in a code and it's wrong, when you get the error message, <laughs> wrong password, <laughs> wrong pin code, doubt, guilt, shame, and worry denies us of choice. And many times it comes in the flavor of, I have no choice. Are you following this? Is this giverish? What am I trying to get across here? If we choose
1: to become a doubt,
5: guilt, shame, and worry, then we ultimately feel
1: we have no choice. We have choice on the front end, and we have choice on the back end. So we have control over it, either way it goes.
3: The beauty of life is that we have a choice over every aspect of our life.
1: And the important thing is that you recognize you have a choice. You may not like the options, but you still have a choice. Still have a choice.
3: It's a matter of us making the decision to choose.
5: Right now, if I told you you have a choice to step away of all of your obligations, but only those obligations to yourself, period, end story. Would you tell me I'm bleeding crazy?
3: Um, Six months ago, yes. I would have told you you were absolutely nuts. Right now, today, as I stand here, I can actually say that I think I've grown enough to where I would take the choice of sticking with the obligations for my life and nobody else's.
5: Julia, if I were to tell you you have a choice to walk in on Monday morning and tell (laughs) your manager, look... I think I made a mistake. I'd like to stay on. You have that choice. Mm -hmm. Would you tell me to go take a flying leap off a short bridge?
4: (laughs) No, I wouldn't. (laughs) But I wouldn't go in the office Monday and tell her that either because I know I don't want to be a part of that. I'm choosing not to be a part of that.
5: As you can tell, this whole doubt, guilt, shame, and worry stuff, the whole... If an agreement changes, we have to be very clear about what are those changes going to be, propose them, get agreement or discussion in advance, and then have those changes. If there's any reticence in it, we need to address it instantly. Because to me, I know in the past when I've stuffed things, it's like, okay, I'm going to bite my tongue because I just I don't want the chaos. I'm going to bite my tongue because I just don't want to deal with the conflict. I'm going to bite my tongue because there's bigger fish to fry. I'm going to bite my tongue. Whatever the logical reason is, I stuff it. What I've learned from my own history is as soon as I stuff it, it's like I'm drinking gasoline. At some point, there's going to be a match.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) At some point. (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that you say that Saul, because i was actually sitting here thinking my biggest choices in my life right now are mine are setting boundaries with people family and you just said something that really made me think about it is the importance of communicating that change so i have decided that some people I communicate, like I said last week, some people I communicate, hey, you're going to be seeing some changes with your girl here. And then there are other people that I've chosen not to because I don't give a damn what they think about it one way or another. It is what it is. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just feel that the dynamics of our relationship, that's not contingent upon how we are going to be interacting with one another. But after hearing you just say that, Am I wrong in thinking now that there's somewhat of an obligation to at least say, hey, your girl's changing. Now, you won't have to change, but you need to understand that I'm changing. Why do you feel like you need to let them know? Because there is that unspoken sort of contract that I'm all of a sudden I'm making a change. I guess what I'm asking is where is that line of responsibility to inform people?
4: I don't even think there's a line, Christina. This is more the changes within you. And if they see it and they like it, that's great. And if they don't, they don't. They're going to see it anyway. So I don't see the need why you, you want to inform them. hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Because they do have the choice to continue to interact with me or not interact with me. That's their choice. And if I put that line of, Obligation on myself to go around just informing people. Like, that's just unnecessary and stupid. I shouldn't have to do that. And I'm sort of applying that self guilt, right? And so that's not right either, because <laughs> that's a form of control.
5: I often look at the notion of informed consent along the lines of the severity of the ripple. For example, if everyone in my life is accustomed to me saying yes to them all the time, if every, literally, if someone calls me up and asks me to do this or needs that or whatever, and I'm accustomed to saying yes, they're so used to me saying yes for as long as they've known me, they know that they're going to get a yes from me. And then without warning, because I'm taking this radical course and the teacher is telling me to say no, I start saying no with no warning. Everyone, my partner, my family, my neighbors, my coworkers, my friends, my classmates, everyone's so used to me saying yes. They witness the fact that I put myself last. They may not like it, but they take advantage of it. So when I start saying no, because in my mind it's none of their damn business why I'm choosing to say no, the level of kickback the level of reverberation is going to be so huge that my ability to accomplish my goal, which is to take care of myself more by saying no, will most likely be sabotaged because there will be so much. You used to say yes all the time. Now you're saying no. There's going to be kickback. There was a change in an informal agreement There's a change in the assumption that I used to say yes all the time. Now I'm saying no. What's up with that? You're changing. Now I feel threatened. Who are you? Chaos is going to break out. Now I'm going to probably go, oh, I don't want this chaos. I'm going to stuff it. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. Yes, what do you need? Did I come full circle fairly quickly there?
2: And you know, the thing is, we tell the people that we interact with a bigger basis that we're on a journey, we're doing some changes. But if you don't tell the people around you that you're doing that, you have to be ready for that backlash because, it's, like you said, it's going to come.
5: So the journey, the teacher, by making a choice to seek consent to a change or not is a powerful teacher. It helps you go inside. It helps you look at, do I need to be loved by everyone? Do I have a fear of not being loved if I make a change? Real surfacey, lighthearted light-hearted stuff, you know?
1: <laughs> can, can you say that again, Paul?
5: Every step we take on our journey together, if doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, if you choose to feel that, it is your right to choose to feel that. If you choose to feel anything that is, in your opinion, less than positive, I have to honor that right. We all have to honor that right. It's your feelings. Is there a story of a time where you try to convey to someone a really deep personal feeling and then they looked at you or told you, you're full of it? What are you saying? That's not right. They try to discount your feeling. Anybody got a story? Mm -hmm. (laughs)
6: Mm-hmm. I have a big one for you guys. My ex-husband, he had some issues, and I finally came to the realization that I really actually had the problem with his issues, and he was really okay with everything that he did. So what I conveyed to him was, I'm going to tell you what, you keep doing what you're doing and make the decisions you need to make. I'm going to work on myself. And just know that there will probably come a time I'm going to have to make a different decision based upon how I'm feeling and how things are going. So unfortunately, that marriage came to an end because he did not change his approach and let him know that I'm going to release you of being responsible. I'll take the accountability for, I'm I'm the one that's not happy with it and the choices you're making. And it was not an easy process. It took me a year to get through it, but very, very painful. And it was painful to have to realize that, I'm the one that's not happy about it. He's fine with what he's doing. Definitely a painful experience when I had to face and when I had to, when I had to confront him. It wasn't fun. He was not happy about it. He didn't understand, and that was okay.
5: I can feel the wheels turning here.
6: <laughs>
5: so the story no. that you just shared, I make the assumption that you got to a level of conviction that your feelings mattered, and whether or not they're affirmed was irrelevant. Correct. Absolutely. And to get to that level, that no matter whether or not your feelings are affirmed or denied or somewhere in the middle, you had to go through a process of knowing yourself to the degree Mm -hmm. that you felt a conviction. Yes?
6: Absolutely. It took an entire year, by the way, of going through that process. And he thought everything was fine. And when, when I actually ended the marriage, he was in shock because we were not arguing, we were not fighting. I wasn't nitpicking at him for his decisions and things like that. And he thought our marriage was just great. <laughs> well, no, I had just decided I'm not going to fight this. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it was the smartest thing I'd ever done because I realized that he was so okay with everything he did. And it was on me. I'm the one that's not okay. So I better make myself okay for my own life. And at that time, my children were pretty young. So I had some of the things that I had to look at. So that was an interesting process. And I'm not going to tell you that it was easy because it was not. I think right now because I'm at a point where after 13 years, I'm looking at a situation where I'm probably going to be ending a relationship. And it's not been an easy process. It's very painful. So I have to work through that because do I feel guilt? Do I feel shame? Did I do enough? Did I not do enough? Where did I fail here that I couldn't make another one work? That's when I have to step back and say, wait a minute, I'm taking on somebody else's stuff. I need to take on my own stuff and work through my own thing. Taking responsibility, I feel that that's probably the biggest step I ever made in life of accountability, responsibility, and making sure that I'm conscious and aware that I'm doing that. However, I felt I, I saw myself fall back into that, where because it's very easy to do. You can think I can get past all of these things, or I've walked these paths, and I, okay, so it's going to be easier this time. That's not—it's not necessarily true. I think every situation that it warrants different feelings and different emotions, and this one is definitely different from. The one that I went to prior that I was speaking of, this one, I'm removing myself right now from from his responsibility because his responsibility is on him and I'm not going to take it on. And I'm looking at my own responsibility and I'll tell you the truth, I'm not real happy about it. I'm not real happy with some of the choices I've made. Whether they be physical or not or medical or not, I feel like I should be stronger, that I I shouldn't fail. I should be able to get through this. I fight with that battle because I'm always the one with strength. I don't like not feeling strong. I don't do well with it.
2: (laughs) But, you know, at some point you have to realize it's hard for us to keep in our minds that we are a human being and we're not always going to make the best choices. And then when that happens and you feel guilty about it, you have to start thinking about how to love yourself and forgive yourself, part of the moving on process.
5: Part of our journey is each time I hear you switch out of first person into third person, I can tell there's still a bridge between. And yeah, I've
2: been it. working on that. So, it is such a habit. <laughs> it is such a it's habit. <laughs> I totally got that on our last talk, and I've been working on that, but I tend to slip right back into that.
5: Therapists, psychotherapists, social workers, people who are in the people serving field, teachers, especially teachers, we're taught to keep an arm's length. Distance, yeah, mm-hmm. as a Absolutely. way of being professional, right? Let
2: me say that I have had many opportunities in my life that I've had to stop and think that I am human. I've made mistakes. I've made bad choices that affected myself and others, and I've had to learn to forgive myself for that in order to move on. Bingo. That sounded better.
5: Please no my dear team, clarity. I'm offering the clarity because it seems like I might be offering semantics. It's more of a diamond polishing. And the more I hear I statements, the more I know you're getting into your own stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And that is so powerful. I mean, that is huge to open up when I open up my own door and I willingly walk through it, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm willingly looking at, ah, I so effed up there. <laughs> and Chelsea, what I love about you is you're willing to forgive. That's huge. You're going to love Chapter 6. <laughs>
2: And I have to say that one of my biggest aha moments in our journey so far is being pointed out to me that I use we statements all the time, that it, you know, that's definitely part of my journey to be able to say I myself.
1: Yeah, I remember that was the first time that Soul did that little teaser. I remember right after the call, Chelsea was saying, I have to start using I. He did that for me. <laughs> Yes, I you need did. to start
2: on that. <laughs> Absolutely.
5: But I put you in a paradox, Chelsea. I know the profession you're in. I
2: know.
5: It's difficult. I know how difficult it is. When working with clients, folks, you all are going to be one day tossed into the role of teacher. One of the things on our to-do list for this week is I invited you to just sense which chapter by a brief cursory overlook of your chapters of Pay Me What I'm Worth. At some point in time, you're going to be put in Chelsea's seat and my seat. You're going to be put in the role of teacher. You've got your chapter, Chelsea's claim 10. Sorry, everybody can cross off chapter 10. She's got it. <laughs> Why do you think I'm being picky about how you choose to speak
2: it's part of owning our journey truly owning our good and bad
5: and that's one very good observation how about others
1: i don't think that you can explore it if you don't put yourself in it if it's something that is ascribed to others then it's easy for you
5: to cross over it and you won't explore it am i hearing you say that you're allowing your explorer to be more predominant exactly okay christina you brought up a very valid point about how everybody in the team right now is talking about when we get started, right? Yep. In my mind, we've started. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, if we
6: hadn't started, we wouldn't be going through what we're going through. (laughs) And That's just just the consciousness (laughs) level. We are like, it's straight up in our face. That's why we're going through it. It's right there.
2: That's the truth?
6: I am trying to take every
1: part of this journey and this exploration that we're doing and make sure that I'm grounded in an understanding of what we previously discussed in the book. For me, speaking in the future tense rather than speaking in the now goes contrary to everything that we're doing with this book because we've literally spent two, three weeks now on just the ground rule basics before we even start to walk into the deep stuff. So every time if I say in the future, my mind is on the future, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do something in the future, then I'm robbing myself of the opportunity to get all I can out of this because I've not set the ground rules to prepare myself in any way emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually to go through to walk to that future so I'm still going to be carrying in that same baggage, that same closeness into my future. So the same crap that I keep telling myself over and over every year, but I'm still dealing with that same crap. I'm still dealing with the same pain of the same resentment, the same worry, the same frustration. If I continually, am a function of that, every year. If I keep carrying that into my next year despite my New Year's resolution, it's because I haven't done exactly what this book has laid out for us. I haven't set the groundwork, and I haven't chosen to be in this moment so that I can navigate the next.
6: May I ask you a question, babe? Seriously, do you want to own that? Do you want to own continuing the the baggage and all that stuff? Do you want to own that anymore? Do you want that to be part of you?
1: I've clearly not – I've already clearly owned my, that, and I've already – No, I, right, but do you want to continue content?
6: to own it? You, because you don't have to – part of the process that I'm I, – I,
1: I don't still own that. I don't still carry awesome. that because I have been exploring. I think if you would listen to mm-hmm. all of the recordings throughout this whole process, I'm clearly not doing that. I've clearly established that the reason that for 37 years I still am dealing with some of the same crap is because mm-hmm. that's what I did. When I started this process, every week that I've learned this, I have clearly stepped fully into this process. So I own what I was my past, and I'm responsible for my current. And I am saying that for me, you can take whatever you need for you, but for me, I'm sharing my experience. I've not had a lot of the hang-ups with worrying about the future. For the first time in my life, and I think Chester can attest to this, for the first time in my life, crazy, big, huge, scary things that normally I would have been like, control, control, control. I am walking through this, and even in the moment I said, oh, no, stop that, reverse that, I can't control that. This is the only thing that I can deal with right now. And what happens will happen, but I'm able to navigate it now. And that's only because I truly did not enter this process of pay me what I'm worth with a mindset of the future I did not do that
5: can
6: I borrow that that was very good honey very
5: very good as we get in touch with the choice to be in this moment right now damn the torpedoes full speed ahead you're gonna find our journey to be extraordinarily exciting I should be
4: living in the moment whether I like this moment or not and I don't like my present moment I don't like the way I'm feeling I don't like living in this moment that I am in right now. Tomorrow I won't be feeling this way and just learn something. If, if I sit here and I think about my future, I'm just going to worry myself to death because I don't know what the future brings to
5: me. I tell you what, Julia, and this applies to everybody, for each instance of feeling doubt, guilt, shame, or worry, each instance, every time you feel doubt, guilt, shame, or worry, you have to write a $100 trillion cashable check to a charity of your choice. Then you can afford it. so Julia you can't afford any of those so no I
4: can't I can
1: (laughs) if you don't mind I'd like to share sort of a aha moment that I had early on that's really been helping me because I think you and I tend to have that need to control the future to worry about the future to consider the scenarios and the if then's then the if this then that kind of what could happen things, and try to mitigate it. Because naturally that's a function, like Soul was saying, social workers and teachers experience a function of what we do in the industry that we're in is to consider all of the scenarios, right, and then try to piece together mitigations to speak to all of that, right, to, to minimize all of that. And something that just really hit me early on was that I'm not able to do that because I'm not free. I'm not free to let my best skill function and adapt in the moment because I'm so tied up in trying to consider all of this and not miss that and not worry about this. And, and quite honestly, it seemed to me that I was saying, oh, I'm not worried about the future. Well, yeah, I was because it was like once this was over with, I'm not going to have this emotion. And so then I can free up myself. I can then give that emotion back. It's kind of like, putting some money back in the piggy bank and then I can buy more with it emotionally. I had to understand that literally I wasn't freeing myself up to navigate the now and reach that abundance. Because I was allowing myself to be rooted in that worry. I'm not saying that I don't do it at all now. I still am, this is a this is transition for me. But I can say that Every day, giving up more need to have that control, more need to put off what I'm able to accomplish today because I'm allowing, I'm choosing to lend that space to this other scenario in the future only further prolongs my progression. And once I release that, I've really seen so much more progress
4: towards the rest
1: of it. I hope that makes sense.
5: Yes, it does. All of this points on one of the key aspects of a good teacher is being mindful of expectation. A course syllabus, a class outline, a workshop agenda, a conference agenda, that's an attempt at putting out there expectation control. There have been too many times in my life where I walk into because I've met so-and-so and and -and so-and-so has such-and-such a reputation that I automatically have all these expectations that so-and-so can do such-and-such for me. Well, I set myself up for failure as soon as I do that. I'm curious, Chelsea, how am I setting myself up for failure with expectations?
2: Your expectations, 99% of the time, cannot live up to what that person is able to give and do. Have all this expectation of somebody, and when they do the least thing that doesn't live up to that, you feel let down. I feel let down, (laughs) working on the I thing. And then when I feel let down because they didn't live up to my expectations, I take it very personally. And it's been my experience throughout my life, especially in my later years, that you have to realize that person is human and your expectations are on you,
5: not them. If I'm hearing you correctly, Chelsea, if I have expectations on the outcome of something, I all of a sudden find out that that expectation is unreal. It's not possible, whether that's in the moment or after the fact. Once my trust is shaken because my expectation was false is it pretty easy to conclude that I might call into question the entire process?
2: Absolutely. You'll start doubting the entire process and not just at one piece, that's not standing up to your expectations.
4: A couple of months ago, I joined a mastermind group. And I paid a lot of money to, to be a part of this group. The person who was giving it, I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for. That time I trusted it his opinions and his teachings and so forth. And during the process, he was involved in other businesses and so forth. He wasn't there 100%. He was there physically, but he wasn't giving him, giving us 100% or he wasn't giving me 100% of what I was expecting. And I did get some results out of the, the group sessions and so forth, but we've had to ask him for stuff, we've had to reach out to him for other things, the agreements for us having one-on-one calls, that was not completed to what he said he was going to give us. I'm very happy that we're having this conversation, because through this, I'm I'm able to sit here today and say, I'm not going to do business with this person no more, because He's offered once again the one-on-one coaching based on the, my concerns, are based on the experiences that we've had, and what just recently happened. Where I, I have asked for two of the recordings, two of the last recordings, so I could do what I need to do for my business. And the one important recording, he doesn't have it. I'm not going to do business with him.
5: I'm pounding on this concept of choice right at the beginning because the dirty little secret is doubt, guilt, shame, and worry are time bombs. They will blow up the most solid, the most concrete, the most stable ideas, relationships, concepts over time. It is my goal with our preparation that when we strap on the Explorer hat and we stay in the moment and we recognize that we constantly can choose how we feel, Hmm. that we can be so dynamically fluid in our process, we open ourselves up to absolute miracle making. Thank you, Stolz. We are the miracles we're looking for. I know that sounds like some sort of platitude that needs to be on some poster in some corporate hall, but we are the miracles we're waiting for. And as our sense of worth collectively ripens on our journey, I'm going to draw you back into the contract you signed. The contract you signed stated that you went to Appendix A in the book and you read the appendix. And while the appendix A might sound like some legal cya it's also a, a reality that as we go through this journey together, we're going to need help. We're going to need help from each other. We're going to need help from other people. As we go through this journey, you may find yourself hitting a complete brick wall for whatever reason. You look at the instructions and you think, I can't do those. those They don't work for me. That's fine. Change them. The essence of our journey together is just because we might all try to be getting to Tallahassee, Florida, for example. <laughs> I don't care whether you get there by car, train, plane, walk, bike. doesn't matter, but we all want to get to that same location. And the same location on our journey is having a ripening, an awareness, a blossoming, a stepping into our fullest sense of worth that we're capable in this moment. And one of the things, Christina, you, again, you caused my face to wrinkle. Can I share what we were talking about just the other day about when you were rereading and rereading stuff? Sure. What were you talking about? You made a comment, a reflection on each time you read something over and over again. What was going on?
1: I was having a deeper understanding um, of of what I was reading. It was like it was a whole different page again. (laughs) My understanding is getting clearer every time, which is why I've made it a point to when I read the next part, I'm going back to the point of that previous chapter or that previous exercise that really made me do some digging with myself. I'm going back to that point and reading forward again
5: because it's kind of like I'm stringing a bead, and it's just making more sense with the bridges. So exercise three is as I asked you, do you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the ground rules? Am I recalling that correctly? For example, I might be bold enough to say that another ground rule be in the moment. Is that a fair, based on what we've talked about so far today, is that a fair ground rule? Yes.
1: Hey so, I wonder if we might do a, take just a few moments and kind of discuss what really being in the moment is though.
2: I'm having a new
1: awareness today.
2: She really <laughs> I is. Understand it. I-
5: Well let's practice what we preach. Being in the moment. Each of you select a piece of clothing that you're wearing right now. Whether it's a blouse, a pair of pants, a sock, a piece of jewelry, earrings doesn't really matter what you choose, but what is on your physical body right now. Each of you select something. And really be focused. No multitasking on this. No doing other stuff. Be really focused right now on one piece of clothing or jewelry or accessory or whatever that's on your body right now. For illustration, I'll choose my socks. When I stop in this moment... Right now, and contemplate the tremendous abundance symbolized in the pair of socks I'm wearing right now, I could literally start crying. When I stop in this moment and recognize that these socks are the result of someone somewhere maintaining a farm to grow cotton, there's an entire family maintaining their existence, partially on growing cotton, which means they have to maintain machinery. There are people who are making those machines to pick the cotton. There are people who work in power plants and water plants and processing plants who provide the natural resources to process the cotton, to process what it takes to create the machines to just make the socks. There are thousands of people already involved, and the sock even hasn't been cut yet. And when I stop to think of then from the moment that that cotton sock was cut and put into a bag, and that bag had to be created by yet another whole group of people who created the plastic, who created the machines to create the plastic, who created the machines to create the boxes. Tens, hundreds of thousands of people now are involved. When you, and I stop and think about everything that was involved in getting that pair of socks on the shelf that I bought the socks from. And when I stop to think about the hundreds of possibly thousands of employees that work for that company that I bought my pair of socks from, And all of their lives and all of their hopes and all of their dreams and how they're building our world together blows my mind. There's an abundance around me all the time with everything I eat, everything I wear, everything I do, if I want to stop and think about what it took for a traffic light to control traffic so that we don't end up killing ourselves going through that traffic. Everything we touch, everything we eat, everything we breathe, everything we taste, everything we hear, everything we smell involves a symphony of people exchanging their worth, for my worth. And for me to have anything less than awe for each of you, for each person involved in this process, means I'm not in the moment.
2: That was a really great description of truly being in the moment. I think sometimes we think in the moment, because I'm listening, I'm not trying to do something else. But it's important I go deeper to ensure that I'm really in the moment and the space that that I'm in right now.
1: At this point in the call, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? about where you are right now in this
2: moment right i tell
3: you after just listening to what soul just said i just kind of sat here and i was like wow (laughs) right now at this moment i feel good with the thinking the thoughts the decision that i made that i'm not going to continue to worry about things i know my bills need to be paid i know things need to change in my life the doubt the worry the shame the guilt as soul has spoke about When he said it again earlier, it was like, you know, I've lived my life worrying, doubting myself, doubting all things around me, doubting just going through life each and every single day. And as I'm beginning to take this journey, there's, let's see, how do I describe this? There's an inner source from inside of me that's actually saying, hey, you know what? You don't have to live like that. You don't have to live in that doubt. You don't have to live in that worry. But if you don't live in each day and an experience each and every day, I'm actually selling myself short. I'm selling myself short of the beauty of life.
1: So I'm thinking maybe take some time and really explore that as it because thinking back to the 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 beginning of this discussion, and I really encourage you to go back and read the re- and listen to the recording because mm-hmm. think about how and listen to your languaging, your self-language about how so many things are going to be contingent upon that moment of either not working on this job or starting the next job or that 90-day goal that you've set for yourself and how that ties you up in what you're able to accomplish right now in this moment.
5: A wonderful, crisp example. I've noticed a lot of professionals spend weeks, months, sometimes years putting together a brand. They've got to have the right brand, the right mm-hmm. logo, the right website, the right look, the right feel. Well, every single spiritual person that we've talked about for the last 2,000, 3,000 years, they don't have a website. They don't have a brand. They don't have a, a logo. They just did. And there was enough people that loved love what was done or is doing that they're doing it. My dear wonderful clarity team, the sign of mastery in my book as a person who does something so well, and they make it look so easy that I can do it. And then once I get attracted to it, that's their mag, That's their sautéing garlic in a pan of butter smell. No, I want some of that. Some baked garlic on top of a fresh baked loaf of bread that's been cut and it's steaming. And I take that slice of bread and I smear that garlic that's been just cooked as butter on top of it, and I bite into it, and I'm oh, God, that's good. That's in the moment. And this master drew me to it because my body went, I want it. And as my body was drawn into it, and all of a sudden I realized, my God, what does it take to bake a loaf of bread? Can I bake a loaf of bread? I don't think so, but I can learn how. I chose to learn how to bake bread because I smelled it. I wanted it. And as you go through this process, you're going to get scores of people going, Julia, what the hell are you doing? You're changing. I like it. What's going on? Your aroma of change can happen only in the
4: What? Moment. In the moment. The moment.
5: Exactly. To me, powerful leaders, powerful, cherished leaders, are the people who inspire me to step up and do what I need to do for me. Not for them, not for their cause, but for me. And because I'm doing it for me, it helps their cause. It's symbiotic. It adds to their mission by default. And I want to do it. No one's challenging me to do it. No one has a quota over my head. Nobody has look, soul. If you don't sell or if you don't do, 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 do. no one has that. I impose it on myself, and then I recognize whatever I'm imposing if it's blocking me from really being in the moment, wait a minute, what's going on? Stop. This needs to be easier. (sighs) We're getting into some really juicy, deep, deep stuff here. I I hope you allow it to marinate, bang about in your head. Absolutely
1: awesome, Carl. I know that I'll be listening to it several Mm -hmm. times. I love you all, you ladies. Thank have you. A great weekend,
4: love everyone. you guys. Have a great
5: and weekend. And I love you too, so <laughs> love you oh. so. <laughs> Aloha, everybody. You bye have then. a good weekend.
1: You
2: have good a time.
1: good Bye bye. Bye bye. Christina Irvin here and I want to thank you for joining us as we continue to explore worth as it relates to life's abundance. If you resonate with this discussion and know that it's time to make a change. We start new teams on the first Saturday of every month, and I encourage you to take action now. Until next time, you have a great day.
0: To get involved in Christina's classes, call her at 423-737-5809. Again, Christina number is 423-737-5809. Aloha.